The Fullness of Christ, Part 2. Exalted to be a Prince and a Saviour. God hath made that same Jesus, whom ye have crucified, both Lord and Christ. Acts chapter 2, verse 36. The titles Lord and Christ are regularly applied to Jesus in the Gospels. Elizabeth marvelled when Mary came to visit her that the mother of my Lord should come unto me. The angel said to the shepherds, Unto you is born this day in the city of David a Saviour, which is Christ the Lord. A leper came to Jesus and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. And Jesus said of himself, The Son of Man is Lord, even of the Sabbath day. Certainly, Jesus was hailed by many as the Messiah, the Greek equivalent of which was Christos, Christ. The woman at Jacob's well in Sychar said to Jesus, I know that Messiah cometh, which is called Christ. Jesus saith unto her, I that speak unto thee am he. At Caesarea Philippi, Simon Peter confessed, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Some of them at Jerusalem said, Do the rulers know indeed that this is the very Christ? Others said, This is the Christ. But some said, Shall Christ come out of Galilee? Hath not the scripture said that Christ cometh of the seed of David, and out of the town of Bethlehem where David was? In John chapter 7. Towards the end of his gospel record, John writes, These are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through his name. If Jesus was indeed acknowledged as Christ the Lord, in what sense was he made both Lord and Christ? What had changed in the status of the Lord Jesus? The Lord's death and resurrection had, in fact, changed everything. In the days of his flesh, he could rightfully claim the title Christ, but that was in anticipation of the fulfilment of the Father's purpose in him. Had he not willingly laid down his life, that purpose would not have achieved its end. If Christ be not raised, your faith is vain. Ye are yet in your sins. For three years Jesus had preached the good news of the kingdom of God, but the good news became real and certain only after God had raised his son from the dead. It is a mark of the stature of Christ that, even early in his ministry, he could say with all confidence that his mission would be crowned with success. The Son of Man must be slain and be raised the third day, as Luke 9 says. Yet, how heavily the burden of that mission must have weighed upon him. In Gethsemane, he even prayed that the Father would remove the cup that he was about to drink. Nevertheless, not my will but thine be done. Had he failed, all would have been lost. But by his victory, salvation was won and forgiveness secured. He was crucified through weakness, yet he liveth by the power of God. The Lord's weakness was the weakness common to all who share Adam's nature. But Jesus did not succumb. In those final hours, he was able to summon an inner strength, born of his understanding of the Father's will. His mind would have been full of psalms and prophecies that spoke of the work of Messiah. And although, at the time of the crucifixion, there was no word from heaven, the Father's testimony at his baptism, and again at his transfiguration, encouraged him still. Thou art my beloved Son, in thee I am well pleased. Jesus would have been sustained especially by the memory of the transfiguration when Moses and Elijah appeared with him in glory and the three apostles were eyewitnesses of his majesty. We have surveyed 
very briefly many, by no means all, of the roles and titles of Jesus as they appear in the Gospels. Born of Mary, he was and is the Son of Man, and also the Son of God. He is Christ, anointed to be both high priest and king. He is the living bread which came down from heaven, the light of the world, the good shepherd, the resurrection and the life, the way, the truth and the life, the true vine. In Acts we find the apostles speaking of the Holy One and the just, whom God exalted to be a prince and a saviour. In the epistles he may still be referred to as Jesus, but more frequently as Christ, Jesus Christ, Christ Jesus, or the Lord Jesus Christ, all reflecting the exalted status of the one who was made both Lord and and Christ. How can we not esteem the one who endured and overcame? Jesus conquered, the grave could not hold him, and he was exalted to the Father's right hand, our Lord and our head. God raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named and hath put all things under his feet, and gave him to be the head over all things to the ecclesia, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. As we have just quoted, he is now the head over all things to the ecclesia, which is his body. He is the head of the body, the ecclesia, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. There are several passages where the ecclesia is depicted as a body, and its individual members as parts of that body. For the body is not one member, but many. If the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? If the whole body were a hearing, where were the smelling? But now hath God set the members, every one of them in the body, as it hath pleased him. Now ye are the body of Christ, and members in particular. Paul enlarges on this imagery in his letter to the Ephesians. In Ephesians chapter 4 he says, And he gave some apostles, and some prophets, and some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith, and of the knowledge of the Son of God, unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, speaking the truth in love, may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body fitly joined together, maketh increase of the body, unto the edifying of itself in love. The Colossians, similarly, were encouraged to be holding fast to the head, from whom all the body, nourished and knit together by joints and ligaments, grows with the increase which is from God. Our head is also our shepherd, I am the good shepherd, and I know my sheep, and am known of mine, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, them also I must bring, and they shall hear my voice, and there shall be one fold and one shepherd. True believers heed their shepherd's voice. They are united in one fold. They are one in him. Again, the Lord portrayed himself as the true vine, and his followers as the branches. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Those words challenge every one of us. Do we recognise the high honour of abiding in him? Do we appreciate the privilege of access in prayer to the Father through him? 
Do we really believe, as a practical reality of our discipleship, that without me ye can do nothing? Jesus uses the allegories of the shepherd and the vine to portray himself as the head of a community of believers who are a unity in him, a fellowship. This theme of unity and fellowship is further developed in John 17 in the Lord's most intimate prayer to his Father. Jesus besought the Father on behalf of those who should believe on him, that they all may be one, as thou, Father, art in me and I in thee, that they also may be one in us. Particularly, when we meet around the table of the Lord, we are privileged to enter that holy fellowship with the risen Christ and with the Father. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. God is faithful, by whom you were called unto the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. But the privilege of fellowship is ours not only at the memorial table, it is there constantly. Especially in the letters of Paul, we are introduced to the wonderful concept of being in Christ, and he being in us. Notice how frequently in the letter to the Ephesians, and elsewhere, the idea of being in Christ is emphasised. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times he might gather together in one all things in Christ, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance. Very relevant to these ideas is the metaphor which Paul employs later in Ephesians to describe the relationship of the saints to their Lord, that of stones in a building. Ye are fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto an holy temple in the Lord, in whom ye also are builded together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. The Lord Jesus is the bridegroom who gave himself for the bride, the ecclesia that he might present it to himself a glorious ecclesia. Being in Christ, being part of the bride of Christ, means that we are covered by his righteousness. We are no longer in Adam, for as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. In Adam we were unworthy to come into God's presence, but in Christ we may have boldness to enter into the holiness by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he hath consecrated for us through the veil. Christ is entered into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us, as Hebrews 9 says. If we are in Christ, if we have named the name of Christ, then we may approach God in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, our mediator and intercessor, the captain of our salvation. Though our relationship is on a much higher plane, an everyday analogy might be that of an athletics team who are represented by their captain, their head. They come to the podium as a unity with him and in his name. We are left marvelling at the sublime metaphors used to illustrate our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. We are members of his body, with him as our head. We are branches of the true vine. We are sheep led by the good shepherd. We are stones built into a holy temple in the Lord. 
not merely are we in him, but he is in us. And that will be the theme of the next article, God willing.